My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so. Fishers tonight, finally, Monday, October 16th in the year 2023. You know, it's, um, I don't know, I've just had a really humbling day, a humbling evening, in fact. A lot of things that have come in. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but tonight's going to begin a process of um, really each show here forward for Fishers is going to be framed around one of three things, prayer, and deliverance, and healing. And I think those are the critical things of this war because ultimately what we're trying to do is create 
warriors in the, in the sense of Christ, which is, means we're healing warriors. And we have to have those at understanding. And sometimes it's going to get gritty, but sometimes it's just going to be a reflection on who we are and how to try to unlock a lot of things within us. And I'm, before we get going tonight, I want to hit just a couple of things. And obviously one of those things that we have to deal with is this insanity of food crises, and it's happening everywhere. And we hope that it doesn't hit, but we know that it probably will. And if you read the headlines, you see the international threats, you, and you, and if we see what's going on in the border, we understand that there's a ton of crises coming to our border and coming in here to our home. We don't have any idea when it's going to end. And the problem is it may very well end in a disaster that could affect food supplies and a variety of other things across the nation. The bottom line is our future is unstable, and you're going to have to take charge of making sure that you are well-stocked at your home in case things fall apart. That's ultimately at the core of why I push My Patriot Supply. They're the largest preparedness company in the country, and they provide the best quality long-term food storage solutions that I know of. And right now, they're dropping their price on their top-selling three-month emergency food kit. It provides a whole variety for breakfast, lunches, dinners, with over 200 calories, 2,000 calories per, and you can get it now with over $200 off, which is amazing. These meals are over 2,000 calories a day, like I said. And to prepare them, all you do is just add water and heat, which is easy enough. They buy in bulk, then they pass the savings on to us, and you can find all of that at preparewithbards.com to save $200 on that food security system. So if you order by 3 p.m. by tomorrow, you're going to get same-day free shipping, which is amazing. So head on over to preparewithbards.com. It's an important part of our food plan. Well, I want to start tonight with some prayers for Candy. If you remember Jim, Jim Cates and Candy Cates were at Bards Fest. Jim played at the very end on Sunday. He played, and Candy was taking photographs all through there. A little over a week ago, Candy suffered a massive stroke, and that stroke uh, left her without oxygen to a part of her brain for quite a long time, and the doctor said she would never recover. The, the doctor said she would never recover. The doctor said she would... Um, that was my phone, if you didn't know that. Is that something? It went off right in the middle of the show. Incredible. Um, that she would never be the same, and that they might that part of her brain would pro- pro- basically be dead. And if you recall, when we heard that, we said no. And we cast off any negativity. We prayed into... Against the spell casting of the words, we declared healing over her. And we weren't the only ones, but we were a powerful force in this, for sure. And Michelle and Leah led their people to do the same. So it was a combined effort, really, with Resistance Nation and Bards Nation, and it's showing its effects. It also became clear in a conversation I had, both in prayer with, with God and with Michelle and Leah, who got the same word, which is just amazing, always how Father works, that 
part of the issue was that we had to get Jim healed because his heart was broken and he was living in fear to a certain degree. And I don't think he would disagree with that. And he was being consumed by the spell casting words of the doctors who were telling him, you know, she's never going to return, never going to be the same. And it was eating away at him. So we prayed against that and we broke those chains and we prayed for Candy and he picked up the mantle and he ran with it. And he set up the room where Candy's in and they, they forbid any sort of negative talking, any sort of negative tongues. And we prayed for that as well, that any tongues that spoke negative things would be bound. And we prayed more into Candy. And they've set up their morning prayer session around Candy. They play faith music all day long in the motel room, or the motel room, the hospital room. And as they do, the doctors now have come in to witness this prayer, ongoing prayer vigil and the healing that's going on. The nurses have come in to take pictures, even of the founder's Bibles that are there. And the occupational therapist and physical therapist now have been working with Candy with quite a measure of success. So I'm going to read two notes, and I don't know which order these came in, so bear with me. But there are two notes that just came in. They were sent by Armad, Chris, and MI. And, um, man, I'm sorry, but that just, just gets emotional in a beautiful way because this is really, if you want to see how, with the, how prayer works, listen closely. I sit here tonight next to Candy's bed, so grateful and humbled by the amazing outpouring of prayers, love, and support I support. I am sorry that I can't respond to everyone as quick as I would like. She came through her second surgery. So this is actually Tuesday. I apologize. This is not tonight. Um, she came through her second surgery. Um, let's see again here. The best possible outcome and is resting comfortably at the time when everyone else I meet is swimming upstream in their own river of chaos. I'm in awe of all of the ways our Lord is working. Candy and I are so thankful for our wonderful kingdom family. It's been said that you can never say the wrong words to the right people, and you can never say the right words to the wrong people. You, my brothers and sisters, are the right people for this time and this battle. May, you, may God guide us and keep us in the palm of his hand. Scott, thank you for your powerful prayer, and Michelle for sending it. I was able to play it for Candy as our two daughters and I laid hands on her and spoke life. I will, uh, I will update when I can. Love you all. Good night. Now, that was on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Here we are tonight. This came in at 7.28 p.m. To our kingdom family, Candy is leaving the doctor's spoken curses in the dust behind her. She is moving all four limbs. Physical therapy and occupational therapy had her sitting up, kicking her legs, and lifting her arms there is no longer any delay in her responding to commands. Her eyes are clear and bright and fully engaged. Thank the Lord. If her final breathing trial goes well tonight, they will take her off the ventilator in the morning. She is winking and trying to smile. Scott, I listened to last night's podcast. When you were talking about establishing a morning routine with God first, I knew I had to share it. I spent the last three decades leaving early and coming home late, working all the time, most mornings leaving before Candy was awake. In June of this year, we started reading a daily devotional called Jesus First. Even though I am very 
a very early riser. I have never left for work until we have read and prayed. The only reason I was still at the house this morning for her stroke was because of Jesus first. This is powerful. And this is truly a statement of the power of prayer and the miracle of God working in our lives. I think we think sometimes that with a single prayer we solve things. And if we just pray, and then it should be over. But what we're seeing in testimony here is that it's the vigilance of prayer that we we pray without ceasing. And we pray without giving an option but to say, I declare healing. I think back to an email I got from somebody that said, well, what, hap- what happens if, you're, if God says no? Meaning if I say, I'm going to make my prayer, and I say, I declare that this will be healed. And the, and the question was framed around a response that I said, we won't take no for an answer. Obviously, God has the last word. But also, it's important that Father sees the commitment of our heart to the intensity of what we are desiring. We want candy to be restored. Her pictures, I went through her pictures today of Bard's Fest, and she captured the entire sense of who we are. And so I don't think it's any accident that the devil, quite frankly, tried to take her out with this. And we're not going to let that happen. And that's when I say I get the warrior's heart, because I'm like, no, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Now, a father ends up absolutely putting it down before me and says, no, my son, and will do no more. I'll probably still pray another, just because that's me. And because when I'm committed to something, I'm going to keep going. So I know that our Father has a heart of love and mercy and of healing, because as he gave to me the other day the word, which is our Father has a warrior's heart, and a warrior's heart is a healer. That's the essence of who we are and what we're fighting for. So I want to do a prayer for Candy and Jim. I think it's important that we focus on this and get this, add the continued healing to this momentum that we're facing, which is incredible. Jesus, we just sit here right now just completely humbled. News of beyond news as we are hearing the testimonies of Candy, who was basically spell cast into a framing of death. And Jesus, we, as we prayed into this, we declared life, and we still declare life, and we breathe life into Candy, and we breathe life into Jim. And Father, hear our hearts, for this is a moment when we see somebody who is truly a gem in this world, who gave us something we can't even put words to. She was able to use her talent to capture the true essence of one of the most important events in our lives. It was Bard's Fest. And she gave life and breath through images, through a talent and gift that she was given. And Father, we are also blessed with the fingers of Jim who's in the heart of his words that played at Bard's Fest just off the cuff. But there was healing to be done. And what we are witnessing here, Father, is a healing that is far beyond the suffering of one. Father, we're blessed as we witness the restoration of candy and we see the explosion of the love in Jim's heart. And as we witness two people married and bound in one, in a covenant of love, a spiritual love, we see that spiritual love shine and grow 
and the magnificence of that love begin to take root as the most impossible of challenges is overcome because, Father, you are the God of overcoming. But it also reflects on us, Father, because as we are praying into this, we're receiving so much more as we receive the gift of life in return. So, Father, hands up and we pray. And we pray and declare in Jesus' name total healing and beyond for Candy. We pray in this declaration of this moment that Candy will not only be healed, but she will be brought back with new gifts, new talents, new mantles to wear. To step into this world as testimony for the power of prayer, testimony in the power of love, and testimony to the power of faith, an unwavering faith, an unwavering love. And may we all take that lesson into us. May we all be humbled by what we witness and take it into our own lives to remember that through the prayers of love that we can literally conquer this world. Our world is designed to pull out from within us things that, frankly, we never thought we were there. It was designed to pull out of us the things of hatred and anger and manipulate those to strike at one another. But we're now refuting that. We're standing in the gap. We're praying with love. We're praying with the ferocity of of our determination to see healing. And so, Father, as we do that, as we stand here, we pray life, we pray healing, we pray restoration, not just for candy, not just for Jim, but in the power of two into the one. Bless us, Father, guide us. Humble us in these hours to keep us true in our path and be remind us of the sacrifices made. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, it's pretty intense and pretty powerful, I'll tell you right now. I'm, I'm moved. Love. We had a pretty intense um, event happen at the Church of Glass, the Glad Tidings in the last couple of days. And it was, um, I'm just going to give you some of the details and just kind of give you a magnitude of this. And it, it was a big spiritual fight that we had that was targeted partly at me and partly at the church. There was a, a package that was delivered to me at Barsfest. I'm sorry, at, at Isaiah 61. And this package was unusual. It looked unusual. It wasn't what you would call a godly-looking package, but it was very artistically interesting. But it was laden with unbelievable sorts of traps. As we pulled it apart, um, we found a variety of things, including a feather that was used to do a sacrifice of blood and a number of things that were very evident that it was part of a, of a ritual of satanic or witchcraft-type level operation. We made the determination to burn everything and, and to cleanse it because it, it was very heavily laden with darkness, would be the easiest way to say it. There were two rocks inside, and they were had red, what looked like red paint on them, kind of. 
and there were letterings and wordings from Scripture. And um, the Scriptures that were selected were bizarre. And as we were praying on it, God said, that's not red, that's blood. In other words, there was blood in, in whatever they were using. The whole thing was very creepy on so many levels. And it was very intentional, and it wasn't accidental. And it, wasn't, it was not, once you saw it, you couldn't unsee it, would be the way I'd say it. And so we, as we were burning it, Brian put some uh, fuel on the rocks itself, on the paint, what we thought was paint. And CJ was there with us, along with Rick, her husband, and Alicia, and then myself. Now, CJ is a SRA victim. She's a satanic ritual abuse victim. She spoke at Bards Fest. You can see her video on TikTok. It's got like almost 800,000 views now on her testimony. It's in the Bards, official, Bards FM official site on TikTok. And as that lit on fire, CJ fell to the ground, sobbing in tears. She says, I know that smell. She said, that's child's blood that was used on those rocks. And we just began to pray. I just read somebody, don't give it much airtime, Scott. That nonsense has already been canceled. Yes, I know it has, but I'm going to tell the story, so get over it. And comments like this, I'm, I'm going to really tell you. I'm going to just frame this, and I see people react. These are stories to learn from, and this show is now about spiritual warfare. It is about deliverance. It is about healing. It is about prayer. And you're going to hear stories. And whether you like them or not, I'm sorry. But the fact of the matter is that I don't tell them in fear. I tell them as a story for you to hear, to learn tools from and learn, learn things from. So this is the beginning of that process. And every night there will be things like this. So I, I, and as I see the comments come up, it's important that we understand what we're trying to achieve here. Okay, it's essential. So this process caused a reaction in somebody who was an SRA victim. And it was extreme. And you could just feel the darkness hit over you. We were all we immediately were in deep prayer. We were all shedding tears. And we were just bringing it to our Father. There's a whole series of events that follow from this. And the reason I bring all this up is we, we went through a series of events. We unhooked it. We broke it. We sealed it. And on the bigger part of the attack on Glad Tidings, which I'm not going to go into right now, that was a critical meeting that I had in a very timely manner, that which, which was honored by Pastor Dave. And essentially the curse was broken. And I say that because it wasn't my words. And there was a snap in my head, audible snap, and the words from the Holy Spirit were, the curse is broken. The, the issue that's at hand here is that when we left that event, all of us, we immediately shifted to, into war mode. And we begin going through a debriefing on the sorts of protocols that need to be put into place. And we begin to um, look forward, look into the next level of battle. We need to prepare for that, how we're going to spiritually fight this. And that's how I left yesterday morning. From Glad Tidings Church, and we were having some 
had enough conversations, and that's kind of what was happening. And so I got on the road to head up to Oregon with a lot of this ha- hanging over me of like, okay, we're into a new level of battle, which we are, but I want to hear this is what's important to understand. In that next level of battle, we hadn't given time as we're planning to give God room to do his work. Remember I said that in my head there was an audible snap and the words given were, the curse is broken. And at that point, what unfolds has to be as God lays it out, not us. And so this, this, um, this morning as I got up, I'd gone to bed with the words, be careful of the skeptical heart. And I woke up with the same words, be careful of the skeptical heart. And that's a dangerous trap when we're dealing in any form of spiritual warfare, prayer, healing, anything is the skepticism that we bring in because it doesn't allow the fullness of the Holy Spirit to flow through us and it doesn't allow the glory of God to work through us because we're skeptical. And in that moment, part of that skeptical heart was not embracing what was said. The curse was broken. And that didn't limit itself to any one thing. And the focus was on Glad Tidings Church, and it's important to appreciate that. And we immediately continued forward in our planning into the war mode of what was to come when I left on Sunday. So this morning, and if you listened to the show from Bend and Knee this morning, you would have heard um, the shift that I was making this morning, which was a pivot into really focusing on love. And so the backstory to that is as I got up in the morning, having the word given to me before I went to bed and through the night about the skeptical heart, first Michelle from from Resistance Chicks sends me a very well-received word about the importance of not falling in the trap of perpetual warfare, but instead pivot and see that what just happened was a victory and to use love and celebration as the tool of warfare rather than striking the enemy once again. And that same word was followed by a word from Leah, similar. And it all made sense because what had happened here is the enemy had got us, got our back up, we defeated it, but the enemy continued to press in with an illusion that it was greater and still had a lot of power. And in a spiritual sense, that takes many forms. It might be the way you're feeling in your head. It might be what you're seeing. But the fact is we had a significant victory and things were broken off. The fact they were broken off, then we weren't seeing that because we were in war mode. Now, this goes to a story I have that I shared this morning. I'm going to share again tonight. And it was a story of being in Afghanistan. And the film, in fact, I just put out, or I just released on YouTube, which has um, had this at the center of it, is that those, that footage in the conflict that we had there, those, those firefights, were part of that seven or ten days. I, I was ten days. I was with the Canadians. And at the end of that ten days, with all that behind us, um, two things that I want to share. One, one is the, the pivot and that's the pivot of coming out of a war mentality, which is very difficult. So the first of this of these two stories is that at the end of the film, you see a firefight. It's an ambush. And, and literally, I say in there, the ambush changes you. And it does. 
and this ambush was so intense that we lost communication with the main force, the command above us, and they had called us in as all dead when we were still fighting. So it's a pretty weird situation when you walk back and your seats are all filled with other soldiers because they thought you were dead. And that obviously was not true because I'm here. So instead of doing the right thing and kind of rolling this, rolling all of us out into a way to kind of unwind, they decided that we would be the unit. I say we, I was with them. I was attached to them, but it was their unit. This unit I was attached to would be the unit to go into a, a new village, not to fight, but to engage with the elders, to sit down, to do what's called the key leader engagement, which is they sit down, the Canadians would sit down with the elders of the village and start discussing the needs of the village and trying to build relationships that would foster, ultimately, a cooperative relationship with, to route out the Taliban. It's, at its core is trust and relationship building. But they took the unit that I was with that had just been ambushed and literally wiped off the face of the earth, and they stuck them in there. Now, I will assure you that didn't go well. And in fact, when we got into the village, these guys were so amped up, and I became so aware of the potential that was going to happen, I grabbed the two other American advisors, and I said, we're leaving, get out of here now. And they said, why? I said, get away from this place right now. Stand back because we could be seeing a, a melee, which was what happened in Vietnam. I was able to get in and film, still do some stuff. And fortunately, all of that energy tapered down. But the intensity of the fight blinds us to what we need to do. And all of this is very important in understanding spiritual warfare. Okay. Because what we went through in the Glad Tidings last week with all of the things from deliverance and literally casting out demons, and I'm not exaggerating by any standard here, to dealing with inner healing, to facing some of the deep, deep traumas of rape and molestation, and going into places like the witchcraft, which is an ongoing issue down there, you are amped up in this fight. And even hearing the words love sometimes doesn't translate well. So to finish this other story out, things scaled down, troops pulled back, everything was okay. And in doing so, I was able to pull, a t pull the uh, platoon sergeant in and have a conversation with him, which he be began to attack me aggressively. Like, what was your problem? What were you doing? And in, in its essence, what I told him is, you better check your heart. Because I said, you're not facing the truth of what you just did. I said, you just walked into a village locked and loaded on a peace agreement, on a key leader engagement, and you were ready to shoot innocent kids and women because you were so ready to kill somebody from the previous fight. He got quiet. He walked away. He came back later. Completely a different man. Apologizing and totally agreeing that they had just about had a disaster. A war crime happened at their very hands. That's the intensity of battle, and you have to be aware of it. So story number two, which is extremely relevant from the same operation. A few days later, we ended up in a resupply point, and for the first time in 10 days, I was able to make a cell phone call back to command. And when I answered, they're like, Scott, we need, the colonel wants you back in here now. And I was like, we still have another couple weeks to go. 
And he's like, no, he wants you back in here now. And the order was given, get on the next Humvee and come back in here. And I contemplated not following that order, trust me. I was very serious about, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going anyway. But wisdom does prevail. And I got into the Humvee, and we had about a three-and-a-half-hour ride back to base. And um, I went in and dropped my gear, and the colonel, I checked in with the colonel, and he says, get up here now. And I said, hey, sir, you know, I haven't had a shower bath for 10 days. I stink, and I'm dirty. He says, I don't care. Get up here now. So I got up there, and the general was waiting for me and shook my hand and thanked me for what I was what I was doing. Made a mention that they probably wanted me to start making some, some plans to head over to the west into the city of Herat. And I said, cool, we'll do that. And then when he left, the colonel called me up to, my, to his desk. He said, you're going to go back to your room. You're going to unload your gear. And you're grounded until further notice. And I said, you can't ground me. And he said, I just did. He said, you can go out and get a coffee. You can go out and get a donut out in the, in the commissary area. You can walk around and eat some real food. But you won't leave this base. And it, you will sleep. And if you want to write a blog, go ahead. And you will meet me every morning for 6.30 for, for breakfast. I said, okay. And I wasn't a happy camper. The adrenaline levels of these fights that we can get in are off measure. I mean, you just can't, the amped up nature of things. And this is where I had left. Saturday and Sunday were very much like this. We were at a peak amping of that fight. And I don't say that lightly. It was intense. Because we've been in a whole week of doing deliverance in this intensity. And it, we had just continued to peak. And that comes after four and a half weeks of a lot of work of travel around the country from Flemingsburg to Ohio to Yuba City up to Clear Lake and back to Yuba City. And so this story is just one I'm reminding myself and sharing with you because I did as he said, and I showed the film, not the film, the raw footage a couple of times, and I remember every time I showed it, I would just get sick to my stomach, and, and it would be just like spines and needles going down my back. And I could feel a visible change in my face, and there was, Sergeant Major was there, and he, he looked at me one, one moment, and he said, come here. And he looked me square in the eye. He goes, sucks, doesn't it? I said, yeah, it does, Sergeant Major. He says, you're understanding now. Get in there and watch that film again. I still wasn't sure what was going on here. And every morning the colonel met me for breakfast, and every morning we just talked about everything from what's going on back home to bluebirds in the sky to whatever was on his mind. And on about the seventh day, the colonel comes up to me and he says, Get out to the flight line, get yourself on a bird, and fly out to Zabal province. And I looked at him, I said, what changed, sir? He said, Scott, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when you came in my office, you had the 1,000-meter stare. And he said, that 1,000-meter stare, if I didn't get you back right then, you would have been chasing ghosts the rest of your life. He said, but you're back now. You're grounded. I see it in you. And I know that it'll never happen to you again because you know the pathway to get back. So now go out, go forth, and do great things. And I did. What happens in a firefight is that we forget, in the intensity of war, let's put it this way, we forget 
to take a step back, take a knee, take a sip of water, reflect on our environment and breathe. And that's what happened to all five of us last week in the middle of this. We got into an intense fight. We had victory over whatever was going on with those witches and other stuff. But we weren't stopping. We were still pressing in. So this morning when I got the word from Liam and Michelle, they were powerful words reminding me of the moment to have to shift and go into the power of love. And what did that look like? There were meetings scheduled at Glad Tidings Church, amping up literally for war. I had meetings scheduled up here, amping up for doing massive spiritual war, being prepared to mobilize with deliverance teams and all this stuff. And I don't say any of this lightly. But all of a sudden this morning, it shifted. And what we weren't doing is we weren't giving God time to do his work as we stood still and we weren't giving ourselves time to rest and regain the power of clarity of mind and the glory in which heaven gives us in those quiet spaces. And so I put a call out to everybody and fortunately everybody listened. I'd say not as easy up front as it was once the message settled in and this is what we did. We shifted from operation of tearing the enemy to pieces and casting him out to the operation of celebrating God's victory and letting God do the rest of the work. So literally everybody went out and got cake and had a little party today to celebrate the glory of victory over the enemy. And the ripple effect of that action has really been seen. We've seen it all across the spectrum today of how powerful when we shift and let God step in, because there's times when God needs us to fight on the front line. But once we shift it and let God finish, the finishing is amazing. And it's all centered on our love and our celebration of him. In the context of spiritual warfare and in the context of all these other things, deliverance, healing, and prayer, there is an interesting amplitude that you get when you're in this. It is It amps you up in magnif- magnificent ways, and it becomes a narcotic in itself because you want to seek and do more. But if we're going to be successful in deliverance, in spiritual healing, in prayer warfare, in spiritual warfare as a whole, we have to be able to ebb and flow with the tide. We have to be able to sit quiet. And truly, that is an important, important part. We have to be able to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalms 46.10. That scripture alone is a reminder of where we need to be after a phase of intense spiritual warfare. And you have to give yourself that time because there is power in silence. There is power in being quiet. There is power in rest. And it's easy to get wrapped up in this and go, go, go. In fact, I see this in people all the time, that they can't stop moving. They can't stop jumping. And what that tells me is there's something inside of them that's broken, that that they can't face. And that's why we have things like deliverance. Because we get into the place of deliverance to find those wounded pieces, to find that injury, to find that brokenness in the spirit. And if it's a demon, we'll find that too. And once we cast out the demon and do the inner healing of those broken pieces, we begin to 
rest back into our natural state, and it's the breath of God. It's easy to talk about these things from a mechanical sense. I can say to everyone, wake up in the morning, sit quiet with the Lord, and sit for 20 minutes. And I will guarantee you most people can't get past three minutes initially because the mind is so wound up even in the morning that it's difficult to sit and be still. But what's we're not taking, we're not really acknowledging, or I'm not acknowledging when I say that, is there is something in there that is not in within you in a spiritual sense that is not, that is off kilter, it is off balance, it is broken or fractured. And that's again where deliverance and inner healing is so important because we're trying to get us back to a state where we can ebb and flow with the fight. Not you can't go into a warfare and fight a hundred percent of the time. Because at the end of the day, you will break. You can't, your brain, your body can't withstand a perpetual conflict environment. And unfortunately, in the world that we're in, we are in a perpetual conflict environment. If you're in the news every day, if you're in the cycles every day, and they become highly addictive. And it becomes highly unhealthy, and you become very ineffective in your relationship with God. But when we do ebb and flow to where we can ramp up to be highly intense and focused in, say, spiritual conflict, deliverance, casting out a demon, whatever that is. And then we can have the presence of mind to step back and celebrate the victory in love with the Lord. Now we're starting to get the cycle of things of what I call the winning pace. Because we're going to do the hard, some hard hits and we're going to step back and then God's going to step in and finish it. And then we'll hit another hard hit and then we'll step back and God will come in to finish it. And that's kind of the pathway and cycle in which we have to work when we're doing this type of spiritual warfare. So this is some basic foundations to when we start looking at spiritual warfare. And it's essential that we start getting this framing of the warfare that we're in because we are in a spiritual war. It is real. There are demons out here. Not everybody has them, but they're here. And if you're not armored up with your armor of God, and, and if you're not in prayer for a lot of your day, and if you aren't in the word, and if you haven't accepted Jesus in your heart, you don't have the foundations to keep the, the demonic from influencing you. And even if it, even when you do, you still have to keep strong. But in that principle, if you don't have those things, you are in full access to the demonic and other events that will cause you harm and potentially illness, and even death. There's a good reason why they took God out of every school in the nation, public school, why they took God out of the government, why they took God out of everything, including the military. Because when you take out those fundamentals in a country that is based on the foundations of Christian faith, you've taken away all the safety barriers and all the protective layers to keep the demonic out. And once they get in, They're going to go gangbusters. And all you have to look at is what's happening to our kids because it's not just teachings that are causing kids to go ballistic and want to cut off their private parts or change their gender with hormones. It's And it's not just propaganda. It's a demonic spiritual presence that is getting into these kids that is drawing it into them and then it is anchoring it into them so they can't be taken out easily. And once the surgeries are done, I'm pretty sure that spirit anchors in harder than you can ever imagine. So all of what we need to be focused on in the fundamentals of things and where we start with this is understanding that you need 
to take time to love and love boldly and celebrate God's victories. And you equally need to stay focused on what's before you and wage the wars where need be. But you can't be in perpetual spiritual war. So find your conflict, engage it and use it, then pivot off, celebrate the victory, and take time to celebrate God. And that can be done as simple as having a cookie. Do something that you enjoy. Maybe you don't like sweets. I don't know. Maybe you want to have a hamburger or steak. That's cool. Maybe you want a cookie or maybe you want a slice of cake. Maybe you want to take yourself out and have yourself a double wit, super light, ultra spin, backflip, cinnamon twisted, pumpkin, banana twist, latte from Starbucks. I have no idea. Matter of fact, I, don't, I know that if I put that on a drink request, they'd actually make it. That's frightening. I, have no, I can't believe I just said that because they would. It's crazy. But you see my point. Celebrate the victories as much as you fight the enemy because it empowers God and it gives us healing. It gives us strength. It strengthens our armor tremendously. And it makes us mightier in the realm of the spirit in the war. This is a real fight. The armor that God gives us is real, and it, all these things we need to nurture and protect as we move forward. So I can tell you straight up that if there was any fear left in me, it's been erased. I'm, I'll be right on that front line if I, get, if I get a chance to tangle with a demon. Trust me, I'm all in. But I also have to realize that in this war, love and allowing God's love to flow is a greater weapon in all of it. And that is the foundations of a great spiritual warfare attack on the enemy. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we're just very humble tonight as we reflect deeply on the mission before us and so much that we have to do. And Father, we can't forget ever the importance of love and giving you space to fight for us. We're eager, sometimes a little too eager to take out this enemy. And we're so eager sometimes that we shut the doors that you need to have open. Forgive us for that, Father. Our excitement and exuberance to take on the enemy when we gain the tools is exceptional. But we also have to remember that in this fight, you will fight it for us. We just have to set the conditions. So, Father, in this moment right now, we just pray for forgiveness for those moments when we've crossed that line. We pray humbly before you and ask for repentance when we haven't listened or haven't given you space and we've tried to smother it all by doing it ourselves. And we just sit here before you, thanking you with for the grace and the mercy given to us to allow us to even be in this time and place. So, Father, we just cast a wide net tonight, a hedge of protection around all Bard's nation, a powerful Holy Spirit flow that goes into each person and strengthens that heart to awaken the deeper parts of the heart of the warrior. We ask for an upgrade in our weapon systems to start each of us being issued a powerful sword of the, of the Spirit to now be able to face the enemy knowing that within our hand is the tool to strike them down. And Father, in terms of upgrades, we also pray for something enormous. 
a swelling and overwhelming feeling of the love that only Christ can give. From head to toe to toe to head, let us be in such a place that no weapon can be forged against us because we will so be filled with love that we'll actually break it down and remove the threat before us before we are even struck. So thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all you give. And Jesus, we just are so deeply humbled by the sacrifices you've made for us. Let us never forget. Amen. Lots of uh, so lots of things to think about. We have a lot of shows coming up. I mean, obviously, every night we're going to talk to talk about these different aspects. And since this is kind of the kickoff night, we'll start building from here. And there will be a lot of inventory of shows as we move forward on the aspects of deliverance, inner healing, and spiritual warfare. Patriots, I will be back in the morning, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, for bended knee, armor of God. Hope to see you there. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. at Bended Knee, Armor of God. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh